you might be hard to document, but you might be the first person ever to record one of these species or to get a certain sound out of uh, one of these species. That's how rare audio recordings are of, of animals. From UW Tacoma, this is Pod Defiance. Welcome to Pod Defiance, where we don't lecture, but we do educate. I'm your host, Sarah Smith. Jeff Rice is the managing editor at the Puget Sound Institute at the University of Washington, Tacoma, and a wildlife sound recordist who serves as the program director for the Acoustic Atlas, one of the largest online archives of sounds of the American West. Jeff has a journalism and public radio background, as well as an MFA in electronic music and recording media. Jeff has successfully found a way to marry his love for science, storytelling, and audio engineering in his work, while also making an impact on the world around him. My name is Jeff Rice, and uh, I work at the Puget Sound Institute at the University of Washington, Tacoma, and I also do nature recording uh, and lots of audio engineering and sound design um, as a, a, an additional passion of mine. I started out as a radio journalist and I became really interested in the technical side of it, recording, and uh, I was, you know, I loved doing interviews and putting together stories, but I was also fascinated by the birds that I heard and or, or creating interesting uh, soundscapes and, and creating uh, a little bit more elaborate productions. And so that led me to go and study uh, electronic music. still kept working as a journalist to pay the bills. Um, I worked as a stringer for Newsweek, and that's how I kind of put myself through uh, school and got my MFA. And then as I, as I got out, I, I continued to do radio and continued to do journalism. And um, it's just been, it's just been uh, something that I couldn't shake. I've, I've just always loved both, both areas, both fields. Um, so what I do at the Puget Sound Institute is primarily uh, related to journalism and uh, digital media, but I also uh, am out recording sounds and, and doing production. Jeff utilizes a variety of techniques to capture audio, from the very simplest of handheld recorders to elaborate setups for capturing varied, intricate soundscapes in the field. I, I, I use them in different situations. So basically, like for an ambisonic microphone, you know, it's really nice when you, like I said, you have a, a spatial component, like you're in the middle of a bunch of, of bison. capture what it's like to be surrounded by bison in the rut, you know, growling and 
grunting all around you, right? Um, Ambisonic is perfect for that, and so I used, used that and set it up um, when I went out to a bison rut in Montana. In other cases, when you're maybe just trying to capture a, a really beautiful stereo soundscape with uh, of, of, of birds in the field or a nice wetland, I'll use uh, an MS recording setup, and there's lots of reasons why you would choose that. One of them is like, uh, these particular microphones are really good uh, in high humidity and cold situations, which, like a lot of studio mics, are really great. But but when you take them out in the field, they fail, and so you have to have a kind of a rugged type of of microphone that you take with you into the field. So it just depends on the situation. Sometimes I'll take these little microphones, like uh, or like this. I'll hold up this like this little re recorder like this, which. Uh, is not all that expensive um, but it runs for a long time and you can set that up maybe next to a, a bird nest or a, a burrow of some sort and you can get incredible uh, close-up sounds from animals that go right up to it sometimes even you know pick it up and chew on it <laughs> Jeff has a particular passion for ambisonics. Ambisonic recording utilizes specialized microphones and recording techniques to capture sound all around. Those sounds can then be reproduced as an immersive 360-degree acoustic experience. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting recording format, and it's kind of hard to describe it, uh, other than to say it's like capturing a, a spherical hologram of sounds it, it records sounds in, in the, all around you, including um, what's below you and what's above you and what's you know, in front of you and behind you. And it's, it creates kind of this sphere of, sa of sound. When you're in the field, you're getting sound all around you. And that's really the way that you experience it. And so I felt like ambisonics was one of the best ways to capture that. Um, and it has a lot of challenges uh, that go along with it. One of, and one of the challenges is actually playing it back so people can have the same experience. You know, there are a few labs and, and places where they have the right setup. Like the University of Washington at DX Arts has a really great ambisonic uh, lab. And it's really fun to play my recordings in there. Um, but it's, it's hard for people uh, in their home studio to really experience the same uh, sense of space. You can do it somewhat with... Uh, uh, headphones and, and uh, creating special psychoacoustic effects. The kind of, but the kind of stuff that you would experience in an ambisonic lab, for example, is you, you, know, you would stand and there would be, oh, I forget how many speakers uh, that they would have, that they have maybe 42 speakers in, all around you and you're standing in the middle of it and uh, you're hearing the bird fly over you and you're hearing the, the frogs at your feet and um, it's really an exciting experience. A number of years ago, I started a project uh, in collaboration with Montana State University called the Acoustic Atlas. And that was an extension of, of work that I've been doing to archive field recordings in collaboration with the the dean of the library there, Kenny Arlich, I uh, 
worked to to worked with their team to put together a website that includes you know thousands of of recordings and of featuring nature sounds from all over the West. So it's been a long a long process that goes back you know probably 15 years or so collecting nature sounds that that I recorded and that other people recorded and and we realized that a lot of uh, nature sounds weren't really very accessible to the public that people didn't have access to to even basic sounds from a lot of different species and so we just decided to to put them online I wanted to do something a little different from what other people were doing and I noticed that the sounds of the western United States were underrepresented that there weren't very many recordings at least at the time of a lot of the common species in the west available online. There are many species that haven't been recorded, like many mammals and reptiles and frogs and things um, that are very rare. And so I wanted to, f to kind of fill that need and do things that other people weren't doing. So I had a lot of fun going out and recording, you know, all kinds of creatures from river otters to uh, moles to... Uh, you know, squirrels to anything, you know, that would make a sound. And it was exciting because oftentimes you would be, you might be hard to document, but you might be the first person ever to record one of these species or to get a certain sound out of uh, one of these species. That's how rare audio recordings are of, of animals. When you're out in the field, it's it's not like this relaxing kind of, it's not always this relaxing, enjoyable thing. It's like very kind of intense uh, experience where you're getting up early sometimes, you know, going out in the dark, stumbling around, um, or it's cold, or sometimes even in dangerous situations. So you're really focused on just getting the recording, and you're and and it's it's work, you know, it's it's like. It's very uh, intensive that way, and then when you come back, you 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 enjoy the experiences that you had because you remember, oh, that was that was really interesting, or that was a great moment when that when that bird started calling right at sunrise. I asked Jeff about his favorite field recordings and if he had any especially interesting experiences. To me, I think my favorite sounds are the ones that have a good story behind them. I mean, the great the northern grasshopper mouse is a is a, a really interesting example. Um, it's a mouse that gets up on its hind legs and howls like a wolf, uh, believe it or not. But the funny part about it is that this howl is so high pitched that most people can't even hear it. So I had had in my mind that well. I have to record that. That's you know that's the most incredible thing I've ever heard. Of. You know I, this this uh, wolf-like mouse out there roaming the sagebrush, and and so I you know I went around to these different places and and tried to find out about grasshopper mice and find places to record them. And I had a a, a lot of trouble doing that, but I had a lot of really great experiences. You know like uh, going out to strange towns. Uh, and asking people if they've ever heard of the northern grasshopper mouse, you know, and and people are kind of calling their buddies over and, and saying, oh, you got to talk to this guy. He's, he's crazy. So 
that's one of my favorites, even though it's not a, not the, a sound that you're going to necessarily listen to and, you know, when you're getting a massage or something that's going to be relaxing, you know. In 2018, Jeff produced a story for NPR about the Toads of Trinity, the secret test site for the first nuclear detonation. He visited the White Sands Missile Range in the Chihuahuan Desert to record the chorus of Toads referenced in an archival interview with the brother of Robert Oppenheimer, the father of the atomic bomb. Here, Jeff managed to capture and convey both the magical and the less than glamorous experience of recording wildlife. Yeah, that's that's an example of, of something where it was just it was a really interesting experience to try to go and get a, a particular sound. I had a good story behind it, um, and it but it was one of those things where I would not call that trip relaxing. <laughs> you know, be, being out on a, a, a a military bombing range essentially with live munitions that could potentially you know like you can't can't walk around off the trail and rattlesnakes and 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 just just a strange environment with like military flares going up and but but that all this history behind it yeah you know and then, and then the recording of the of the toads uh, I would say uh, again it's, it's kind of shrill not exactly relaxing but it's like one of the most beautiful beautiful sounds that I've ever heard I think Jeff has found a home at the Puget Sound Institute where he's able to weave together all of his passions into his work Jeff manages the encyclopedia of Puget Sound and produces a publication called Salish Sea Currents where he not only communicates about the data and science being conducted in the Salish Sea but he can also flex his journalistic muscles to tell engaging stories about what's happening in the field. So the Encyclopedia of Puget Sound is sort of a one-stop shopping place for information about the science behind Puget Sound recovery. So there's all these scientists that are working to understand the Puget Sound ecosystem and to figure out what kind of threats the Puget Sound ecosystem faces and what we can do about it. We're trying to make that information easily available to not only scientists and uh, people, policymakers, but also to the general public and anybody that really wants to know the scoop on what's happening with Puget Sound uh, recovery, they can go to the encyclopedia. But it's, we've also, as part of the encyclopedia, have developed uh, a series of magazine-style reports that we put together in, in a section we call Salish Sea Currents. And that um, is a great outlet for a lot of really good writers to do in-depth stories about what's happening in the field. So it's not just reports and uh, overviews of, of science. It's also journalism and uh, really interesting stories. And so that, that allows me to exercise my journalism side Quite a bit. It seems there are few places left in the western United States that are untouched by human noise. But during a pandemic, it's quiet, so it seems like the best time to record, but not without challenge. It's been interesting uh, hearing how quiet it is. Part of the challenge has been that with the state shutdown, I can't go to a lot of the places I would normally go uh, in Washington. And so essentially I just had to set up next to the side of the road uh, and see what I could get and find good spots that way. And fortunately, 
the traffic is down to the point where you can actually do that and get something nice. It's sort of like the way things might have been 50 years ago, <laughs> you know, with or maybe not even 50 years ago. But people used to be able to do that and just just set up and record almost anywhere and get something nice. I went out last night and it was almost eerie how quiet it was. Usually you can hear the freeway or something at least, but yeah, the, the noise is way down and, and, and uh, the animals are, are definitely taking advantage. Thanks to Jeff Rice for sharing your sound recordings and music with us. All of the nature sounds you heard today were captured by Jeff, most of them somewhere out here in the American West. To check out more of Jeff's work, be sure to visit the Acoustic Atlas at acousticatlas.org and the Puget Sound Institute at pugetsoundinstitute.org and Jeff's own website at ecosystemsound.com. That's it for this week on Pod Defiance. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and take care of each other. Thank you.